Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Air to Tour, the podcast where we discuss theology from a reformed perspective and genuinely nerdy topics. There's no content that you won't love. I'm Luke Denner. And I'm Mark Fromey. Today we are going to be continuing our series on the doctrines of grace and looking at unconditional election. We are also going to take off our nerdy caps and don our sophisticated hats, or I guess more sophisticated anyway, and to talk about art. And so to help us out with that, we actually have our very first guest on Error 204, and that is Nate McKeever. So everybody, and by everybody I mean Mark, say yay for Nate! Yay, Nate! There we go. A um, little bit about Nate, in case you guys didn't know, he actually holds the Guinness World Record for the most toes on one foot. He was born with all ten toes on one foot and none on the other. And so I'm, I'm curious how that works for swimming with you, Nate. Maybe we can get into that later. But that's a, that's a fun fact you may not know about Nate. It's up on Wikipedia if you want some more info. <laughs> I, ha- I I did just recently have corrective surgery, so I'm, I'm almost normal. Oh, you got him moved over? Yeah. Almost. Awesome. Almost all. Problem of them. is they they moved yeah. six of them instead of five, so now he's still lopsided just the other side. Six now. and four. <laughs> yeah, and that, now I just walk sort of like in like, you know, if if you watch me, I just don't walk in straight lines anymore. Threw off my balance. Yeah, that that so. makes sense. Um, why don't you tell everyone listening a little bit about you, Nate? I think some of the people know you, but not everyone does. Uh, I'm one of the admins over at TRG. Um, I um also. Uh, a reformed kind of guy. Uh, I'm super reformed because I'm Presbyterian. <laughs> Not reformed enough from our perspective. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, you know, there's hope for you too. Um, and we pray for you too. Now. But <laughs> um, I'm also. I've been married to my wife Megan for four years. We have a couple of dogs. We're in the process of uh, fostering to adopt a couple of boys, and. Uh, I'm a letter carrier with the United States Postal Service, so, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, those are sort of, like, the, the best parts about me. Oh, I also am an art school dropout. Which is um, why he's qualified so to sort talk of, with us. Or, you know, at least, sort of, maybe. More qualified <laughs> yeah. than Mark and I are. It's got to be the art thing that makes you <laughs> qualified to talk, to talk with us, because it's definitely not the Presbyterian thing, so. Hey, we love uh, our Presbyterian uh, brothers. I love you, Nate. Uh, Mark's one of those landmark well, uh, Hey, wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's, uh, let's, yeah, who, who told you about Rocky Patel's? That's oh, fair. Oh, snap. <laughs> See, I, I trust you in art, games, and, and cigars, and that's it. No. I trust all of your theology you know, until we get to days. baptism. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I'm probably not the most qualified guy to talk about like that, but it, it's just—it's one of those things that I'm really not willing to to fight over it or to even like make a super strong argument over it because at the end of the day, like you know, the elect are the elect, and um, you know, uh, you know, obviously, I, I think that the Presbyterian mode is the correct one but i'm also pretty willing to admit that i'm all not always the smartest guy in the room so in fact most of the time i'm not the smartest guy in that's the room. okay most so, of the time mark and i are the dumbest guys in the room that's so, also true you're in good company and yeah i, I do want to throw this out there really quick. we we rib on on each other but it's not an issue i have many dear friends who are presbyterian and it's it's a minor and so we can show grace to each other and where we differ and Absolutely. still come united as brothers which is why we have nate on the show so yeah 
It's an act of charity towards Presbyterian. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, you got that in before I could get mine. <laughs> no, no, there is there's you either. So if if you're listening, please don't hear this as divisive. We are t- totally kidding. Um, and if you are being divisive over baptism, maybe take a step back and see why. So. Um, yep. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. For sure. All that. There's Nate McKeever. So. Um, Nate, thanks again for for joining us. Mark, no, thanks so much for inviting. Thank, thanks, hey, like, thanks I'm, for I'm putting excited. up with Luke. Yeah, I, that's also a huge thing. Mark's the only person I found. That I, can I really need do to that. share that with somebody. That burden <laughs> can't fall just on me. For the- Honestly, the 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 little the the private message thing that we have going on, on Facebook has been sort of uh, just very entertaining, you know. And and I appreciate like the fact that like you guys post a lot of your cigar pics in there too. You know, it makes me makes me happy. I don't think I posted any yet because my cigars haven't gotten here yet. <laughs> well, that part does not make me happy. But yeah, most of he, Luke's posts has just been complaining about his not being there yet. My postal worker is not as good as Nate, but that's okay. Yeah, dude, that just that does just bum me out for you. But it's okay. I'm, they should get I'm here sure today, so I will be I will be okay. Anyway, um, All right. let's get into weeks really quick here. Mark, how was your week? Uh, my week was good. I spent it doing homework and. Uh, packing up to come down to southern Illinois and spend the week with my family and my in-laws. Not the uh, Jofo? Going into Thanksgiving. You were coming down to hang out with the Jofo? The Jofo. Oh, come on. I'm on the other side. I'm 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 on the other side of Illinois. Although, Joe Thorne did start following me on Instagram this week, so that's That's pretty sweet. I'm telling you, you gotta get him on here somehow. I'm sure that, I mean, he's super cool. Oh, he is. He, He... He's a pastor, though, too, so he's pretty busy, so I wouldn't want to put more on his plate. I know he'd mentioned... And, and he is kind of famous. Yeah, and I know he'd mentioned in a podcast once that like he had a bunch of people asking him to listen to their podcasts, and he was like, it's not that I don't care, I just don't have time for that. And I, I totally get that and understand yeah. that, especially when like he's a guy who writes books and is reading books and is preparing sermons mm-hmm. and doing his own podcast, and so he's a busy guy, and that is okay. Hey, he's followed me longer than Jared Wilson followed our podcasts. <laughs> he made it past the hour mark. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, so you're back in Illinois for the week. Yeah, I'm back in Illinois for the week and uh, doing some work still here at the beginning of the week for my job, but uh, being able to spend some time with family and friends and, and get together with people that I haven't seen since I moved up to Michigan. So um, that's pretty exciting. One thing that is going with that is on Friday you and I are going to be doing a live stream. I was going to say that in the announcement part. Wait till the announcement part that comes after the weeks. Well, hashtag spoilers. Uh, yes, my bad. I apologize for talking Read about. Read your show notes I'm that I sent you. About. Yeah, you've never sent me show notes. In your life. <laughs> I've never written show notes. <laughs> <laughs> we just so, wing this crap. We, we just go. <laughs> oh. uh, no, so yeah, we're. My wife and I are back down here, and we're we're super excited. This is kind of interesting. Like I'm at my I'm using my brother's computer and sound setup, and I was having trouble getting his actual mic working, so I'm just using his headset. And like, co- computers are weird because like, you work on them. They're for all a like computers. They they essentially they do the same functions. They do the same things. They run the same programs. Like, my brother even has the same mouse and keyboard that I have. But there's something about being on somebody else's computer that just makes it unfamiliar. It's it's kind of weird, like... I think I it's know. user error. 
it's it's not user i <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I made the comparison one time that computers are kind of like bathrooms. showers they're like bathrooms like they all have the same components they all function in the same way but you're really only at home when it's yours See, most bathrooms I'm okay with is showers that mess with me because I can't ever figure out how to turn other people's showers on. Not that I shower in other people's houses frequently, but <laughs> I thought that was kind of your thing. Like you go. This, this is just like a weird. This is like the the fact that like I'm just like I'm like okay, so Luke doesn't really. And uh, no, at least not. And, and Mark has Mark has problems using public restrooms. And, no, like you know, like when you're a kid and you're spending the night at someone else's house and you go to shower and you can't figure out how to turn their shower on. Maybe that was just me. Maybe I'm just uh, have issues when it comes to operating showers. I don't know. <laughs> nah, man, I, I think that is probably you know far more common than it isn't. So well, I'm hoping so. Otherwise, I'm gonna feel like a major idiot. Oh, Mark, don't say anything. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so you're back in, yes, on, on Friday. We are going to be live streaming the podcast around, probably around 11, 15, 11.30ish. We'll get that firmed up Central for you guys. Time. Central, Central time. time. So we'll get that firmed up. Um, and as far as to where we're doing it, we may do it on Twitch, may do it Facebook Live, may do both. We're going to get all those logistics worked out for you all. But um, we want you guys to come because we need questions. We want to talk. Yeah, and since we're just doing announcements now, you know, in the middle of weeks, because Mark disregarded the show notes that don't exist, Welcome. Um, we'll go ahead and announce this too. This is what I'm really excited for. I'm, I'm super excited to see Mark, and I'm super excited to to do the live podcast with him. Actually, I'm probably more excited about that than this, but I am also very excited for the fact that on Black Friday, we'll, we'll be dropping our first merchandise. Yeah! So we have five? Nice. Is it five t-shirts? Uh, five, five designs. They come on... A lot more than just t-shirts. Oh, those come on everything? Oh, yeah. that's. Oh, see, I didn't even know this. My, okay, my so fantastic wife has designed, I think there's five designs currently for different currently five um, designs. merchandise. And you can get that on shirts, coffee mugs, pillows, shower curtains, duvets for your bed. Dude, we could get our faces on a shower curtain. Could. That's not creepy. <laughs> oh, there's, boy. There's going to be some Please awesome nobody do stuff that. coming. Please um, do it. I, you will become the number one fan of this podcast. No, you can put our face on anything else, but not on shower curtains. That's just weird. Um, Toilet seat covers. As long as it's that picture uh, that it is. you guys are smiling. It's the, it, is. it is that picture. It is that picture. Yes. So yes. we will put up yes. some uh, some teasers of pictures for you guys in the group when this drops. So that will be today when you're listening to it, hopefully. If not a couple days ago, if you're listening to it late. But anyway, we will get that out there. We'll make the Black Friday announcement for you guys to know when to tune in. Um, it's going to be a great one to come and ask questions about because I think it's one of the, or the doctrine of grace that tends to cause the most confusion and people yeah. have the most questions about, and that's going to be limited atonement. So if you have questions about that or you're not sure about that doctrine, hop on, interact with us, and we'll hopefully answer questions in a decent manner. So there we go. Announcements in the middle of weeks, back to weeks. Nate, <laughs> how's your week been? Uh, you know, pretty good. Uh, on, on good days, I have the best job in the world. Um, I only got rained on uh, one day. Unfortunately, it was like the whole day, um, which, you know, even after a few hours, even the best rain gear just sort of like gives up. So there was this point where I was just like wet and miserable. Mm. And <laughs> that sucks. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, pretty good. Uh, I, I I think I mentioned it to you guys earlier. My wife was sick for a little bit, and she's on the mend now. So um, 
it's pretty cool. Uh, we're just sort of gearing up. We're actually doing early Christmas with my family here in the next uh, couple of days, weeks, um, just because uh, the actual logistics of getting out there around Christmas time isn't really going to work. So we're, we're getting together some of that stuff, and that'll be really, really kind of fun. Uh, just sort of been uh, playing you know, a bunch of different stuff, trying to sort of work on the backlogs and drafts and all that stuff, you know, hashtag backlogs and finances, you know, all day long, every day. Yep. Um, but, you know, just, uh, just sort of, uh, for the most part, things have just been pretty good. And, you know, I can't complain. Uh, I'm just really uh, glad to be here. Uh, grateful um, for just uh, the way that God has consistently and continually uh, provided for my family and, and me. And just, uh, you know, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to hang out with you guys and sort of talk for a little bit. Awesome. You know, I'm not trying to be like super spiritual or anything, but, you know, I'm just having a, a moment of gratitude. And I figured. I'd share that with you. You're not allowed Appreciate to be spiritual. That. On a, you, can, you can cut that. You can cut that. No, part you're not. Out. You're not allowed yeah, to so be. That, you're no. not allowed to be spiritual on a theology podcast. That's not okay. No, because if we cut that out, every, no one's going to believe that you actually enjoyed hanging out with us. So we'll have to leave it in. Um, at least people who have met us won't believe it. Yeah, it's but. it's for most people that listen to this podcast. It's probably a fifty-fifty toss-up for them wondering if we're paying you to be on here. Yeah, no, no we're uh, we're not paying Nate. I I think we do need to tell everybody though that we did record this once before. And because I'm a knucklehead and lost all my audio, you guys had to like re-record an episode, you know, all on your own, you know. And I just felt like a total turd. And you were not. You know, it was. If if they had listened to that one, they would have been really impressed with all of us. It's and like, this one, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there's sort of like all these inside jokes that we can't share. Um, but there was, I think the the reference to like we were talking about like martial arts at one point in time, and this is a worthy story. It it's is. Not this gonna is be super nice. worthy. Clever. It's it's not going to be nearly as clever or funny as the first time. But we were talking about like, you know, if you watch guys like Matt Chandler or John Piper preach, and there's just like these really like insane, like um, just the way that they move their hands, and somehow we got on this tangent about how like that should we should develop a fighting style or a, a defensive art. And, uh, you know, like instead of, you know, uh, Wing Chun Kung Fu, it's, you know, passionate preacher style. Passionate preacher and, style. Uh, passionate preacher. So the, I, I have a strong desire to have that shirt made, you know. And hopefully we'll see what we can do for that one. That is not one of the ones we have currently, but definitely one we want coming down the line. Yeah. Um, while we're on that, we should probably go ahead and explain a couple of the shirts because they may not make sense if you yeah. don't have the background for them. So there's two that people probably wouldn't get. One is going to say CNN would hate us on there. <laughs> and while that's accurate for CNN... For all CNNs. Like, the, the news network. The one we're talking about is the Christian News Network because they wrote an article recently giving a review of Calvinists, which actually I think you read that too, Nate, you'd mentioned. And uh, they were... Yeah, yeah. Basically, they had no issue with the theology in Calvinist. Their issue came in the fact that Les Lanfear, who put it out, um, runs the Reform Pubcast, and so he's associated with beer. And then Joe Thorne was in it, and Joe Thorne is associated with horror movies and cigars. And, and then they took metal. issue with, with Summer White because Summer White likes Harry Potter. And so basically all those people we just listed, Les Lanfear, Joe Thorne, Summer White, all of them have had great contributions. They all have podcasts, actually. Um, so Doc and Evo, you know from Joe Thorne, Sheologians of Summer White, and then Les Lanfear has the Reform Pubcast. 
And so they all have like really solid stuff they talk about, but this article had no issue with their theology, but with the stuff they did. And so that's what the CNN would hate us comes out of, because I feel like they take that same approach to Mark and I. Because um, we do all of those things and then some? <laughs> yeah. And then the other shirt comes out of the conversation Mark and I are having about this, because in the article they quote, so they, they condemn all of these people because they are of the world, because they drink beer and they smoke cigars and they watch Harry Potter. And then they say Charles Spurgeon is an example of a good Calvinist because he was separated from the world. When Spurgeon is like renowned for having cigar a glass smoking. of whiskey and a cigar every day. And my second favorite quote by Spurgeon is that he fully intends to go smoke a cigar <laughs> to, the to the glory of God. God after he preaches. So See? it's like And so what I told stick that in your pipe and smoke <laughs> it. You can now with they the cigar pipe. They can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we should get money for for uh, promoting that. Anyway, um, not sponsored. So Mark was saying that though, and I, I, uh, I told him I said, "Well, Mark, you don't understand. Back in Spurgeon's day, cigars were actually grape juice." <laughs> so, oh man, we have a T-shirt. That's a that's a deep cut to like the you know the the teetotaler like non-reformed we hate alcohol you know yeah, yeah. deep deep cut, deep cut to deep johnny cut. Matt. <laughs> it's, it's not meant as it wasn't meant as like a uh a, a cut i could see how it could come across that way it's more of a just like the argument holds up about the same in both um <laughs> and my so wife, that's my wife made this awesome design of a cigar with like purple smoke coming out of it <laughs> and it says cigars spurgeon's nice. grape juice um so I did. It's it's fantastic. I so that's the explanation between betwined betwined <laughs> behind those two. Wow, mixing words up already. Okay, I'm gonna get into my week really quickly here, or as quickly as I can. There's a reason I wanted to go last, and that's because I have a great story, and so I'll I'll just mainly share that. So to preface all this, uh, my wife and I were on vacation this week, which Mark had mentioned. We went out to Massachusetts, had a great great time out there in the Cape Cod area. Um, it was really cool. The place we were staying was right off the beach, so. Like we got to go walk on the beach a couple days and actually got to go watch the sunset on the beach one night. That was really cool to see. And just seeing creation reflect the glory of God in that way is always, it's always awesome um, to, to take in these sights and, and know this is just a small reflection of the glory of God. And that's just mind-blowing. But anyway, so we got to do that. But on the drive up there, I was not feeling so well. So we were originally going to record this podcast a week ago, and then I was I was in dumb school who got sick. And so we couldn't. We had to put it off until after I got back from vacation. And thankfully, Nate and Mark were willing to wait on me. Um, but anyway, so when we were leaving the first day, I, I thought I could drive, and so I got up and I drove about an hour, and I was just feeling beat. And so I asked my wife if she'd drive us the, the rest of the way, for, or at least part of the way for that day, so I could rest some. And my wife is, we're from a small town, and so in this town, there's quite a few people who, if you haven't had a need to drive into the big city, St. Louis, you don't drive into St. Louis. So you don't drive on the interstate. So my wife has never driven on the interstate. Oh, no. And so I'm, I'm of course, I do this by throwing her into the deep end of the pool, because where I pulled off was right before we made, like, three interstate changes within about five minutes, one of which required going all the way across four lanes of traffic to exit off the left lane onto the other interstate. So, like, she'd been on the interstate for all five minutes and had to do all that. But she did great. So I threw her into the deep end, and she swam just fine. We didn't die. 
So she's she did really well. We're driving. We get to Indiana. And the reason we'd stopped off that morning was because I was mailing off a check for a speeding ticket she'd gotten the other day, which is also probably my fault because my wife never sped before we got married, and then she got used to driving with me. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that was probably a bad influence on my part. But anyway, so we just mailed off the check for that. And we're in Indiana, and all of a sudden, state trooper pulls out behind us, the lights come on. And she looks over at me and she goes, is he pulling me over? I'm like, well, it sure looks like it, baby. You better pull over. And she's like, I wasn't speeding. And so he pulls us over. And, like, running through my head is, I don't think she was speeding. Why is he pulling us over? And he comes around to the to my side of the car. I'm in the passenger seat. He comes around. And he asked me to roll the window down. Now, because I'm me, the day before, I'd accidentally locked my windows getting out of the car and hadn't unlocked them and forgot about it. So I'm trying to roll my window down and it won't roll down. And I can't figure out why. And then it dawns on me, oh, yeah, I hit the lock button. So I'm trying to tell my wife to unlock it. Well, she rarely drives in my car, so she didn't know where it was. And so I'd, like, reach across her and unlock the window and then get back over and roll my window down. So that was a whole ordeal. And the officer is probably wondering, like, why I can't do a simple task like roll down a window. And so he asked for license and registration. We give it to him. I'm like, okay, good. Now we're going to know why we got pulled over. Well, he looks at me and goes, sir, will you step out of the car? And I'm thinking, okay, this is unusual. So I step out of the car. And I'm nervous at this point because I'm like, am I under arrest or something? Like, did we not get the thing sent off in time? Is there a warrant out for my wife's arrest? And I'm like, we had until um, next week. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, what's what's going on here? And uh, so then he looks at me and goes, will you come sit with me in my car? And I'm like, okay. And so I go and I sit in the squad car with him. Well, as soon as I get in the car, he starts reading me my rights. And so at this point, I'm like super freaking. I'm like, okay, what the heck is happening right now? Why is he reading my, me my rights? Because my limited knowledge is what I've seen on TV. And when they read you your rights, you're under arrest. And so I'm like, am I under arrest or something? What's going on here? And so I'm kind of freaking out. And he starts asking me, like, is that your car? And I'm telling him yes. And he goes, would you, is your name on the title? If I looked it up, would it reflect that? And he's just asking me all these questions about my car. And I just got it a year ago. And so I'm, I'm thinking man, did I buy a stolen car or something? Or, or what's going on here? Did, did that happen? And he found out, and now I'm under arrest because I'm driving a stolen car. And so I'm trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> He's asking me all these questions. Then he starts asking me like about where I work, um, what I, what I degree I earned in school, um, why I'm working, where I'm working. He asked me all these questions. And cracked me up because he asked me where we were headed. And so I told him Massachusetts. And they asked where we were from. And I'm like, well, the point says Missouri. I didn't tell him that. I just said Missouri. But... Anyway, so I asked him all this question. Then he asks me, if I did a drug test, when would the last time you took marijuana be? And I told him, like, I've never done marijuana, never smoked it. And he goes, well, you know, I just noticed you were nervous. Your stomach's kind of shaking there. And at this point, I'm thinking, yeah, that's the clue there, Sherlock. My stomach's shaking. It's not the fact that my voice is trembling and my whole body's shaking. It's the stomach. That's the dead giveaway. Um, but I just looked at him like, yeah, I am nervous because you asked me to come sit in your squad car and I don't know what's going on and I've never sat in a squad car with an officer before. <laughs> <laughs> That's a much more polite response than I probably would have had yeah. at that point. I think it was a good thing I was scared, otherwise I probably would have been way more sarcastic than I should have been. And, and then he would have ended up in the back of the police car. <laughs> he, he, yep. But anyway... And so then he kind of laughed, and he told me, and apparently in Indiana, and it may be this way in Pennsylvania too, but here in the great state of Missouri, you're allowed to drive in the left lane and be under the speed limit. Um, in Indiana, that apparently is against the law, and so my wife is going 68 and a 70, and that's why he'd pull this over. So thankfully, oh, thankfully, let us off with the You gotta be kidding me. Yeah, that, 
That was it. That was the whole ordeal. My poor wife, though. Like, this is like a 15-minute conversation going on in his car. And my poor wife is sitting in our car having no clue what's going on. No clue why her husband's back in this officer's car. She doesn't know if... Like, she had no clue. So she was freaking out. I felt awful for her. She did say later that she's glad it was me instead of her. She said she probably would have cried if she'd been the one to go back and sit with him. But... Oh, jeez. But anyway, so yeah, he let us off with a warning, and, and we went on our way. But that was my big exciting story from the vacation and I knew it was going to take me a little while to tell it so I figured that's the only thing I should oh, share man but. that is not a funny that was not a fun story and the payoff was baloney <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we were we were like we got about two miles down the road and stopped for gas and by that point we were laughing at it and you can ask Mark I was calling like everyone I knew and telling him because I love telling stories so yeah he's, I, he texted me I don't think I called him till later I think you texted me before that because I did. I texted you right when I got back in the car. I was like, so I just got out of the front seat of a state trooper's car. Yeah, I was like, what oh, did you do, you dummy? <laughs> like, just left it at that. I'm sitting here going, all right, he got out of the state trooper's car at the station, and his wife's going to have to go post bail for him or something ridiculous like that. Why would I still have my phone on me then? I don't know. I wasn't but, thinking it's you. That's fair. Anyway, but yeah, so that was like the probably the most uh, exciting thing that happened. On our on our vacation, maybe not a good exciting thing, but the, the most noteworthy. You also couldn't smoke on the beach. That was sad. I did hear several several you know several times it's throughout the week. It's out like, I can't smoke doors. Here. It's not near a building. I wanted to be like an old sailor smoking my pipe by the sea, and it's a non-smoking beach. Like that's just ridiculous. But it was okay. That. It was okay. I had my wife. I didn't need a pipe to have a good time. I was able to spend time with her, so it was good. Um, There you go, man. But, anyway. So there. There's a a fun story for you guys, or in Nate's opinion, a not-so-fun story. Um, But, anyway. Uh, Dude, I mean, I'm one of those guys. Like, I was a a truck driver for a few years, and so, like, and, and I have good friends who are who are cops but every time i see the lights go on behind me like my stomach just clenches up and i'm like did i do anything wrong like i'm like like running off through uh-huh. that old checklist well that was the worst part like, was not knowing like the oh, yeah, whole time it's the worst so i'm like why couldn't you just let like if that? you're speeding if you're speeding and you know like, you're speeding you know okay like i was the dummy who was doing like 15 over or whatever you know but when you're just like what did i do like that that uncertainty is just kind of awful even if you're convinced you did nothing wrong uh, yeah oh i got i got like sympathetic like nervousness just hearing that story. <laughs> i'm sorry you had to hear it then nate um no it's it's all right it's all right yeah. so here we go awkward transition into unconditional election so last week mark talked mm-hmm. about biblical manhood and thank you, Mark, for doing that by yourself. Dude, it's super you awkward to try to record a podcast on your own. I bet. You did really well, though. It was good. Ashley and I listened to it on our drive back, and it was it was good. So I appreciate you oh, covering you. for us. Um, but anyway, so we, he talked about that. The week before that, though, we talked about uh, total depravity. And so the next one in the acronym is the U, which stands for unconditional election. And basic summary of it is that from before time from before creation God has determined who is going to be saved based on no merit of what they're going to do um, 
based on no merit of their character, but only off of his good and sovereign grace, he is determined to save these people. I guess I shouldn't say before creation, because some people debate that, but before, at least before um, we were born. They don't really, they don't really debate before creation. It's, it's a little different. If you're talking yeah. about yeah, what I'd, I yeah. think you're talking about. Super and infra? I was talking about super and mm. infra. Lapsarianism. Like, wouldn't the debate there be that, that it occurred after the fall? No, it's the debate is... Oh, it's a logical order in which yeah. God decreed it. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. So, everyone so it's, it's always before creation, though. So. Okay. So before creation, God determined who is going to be saved based on his sovereign will and his sovereign grace and his love. And this is one... I think this is probably like the the one people associate the most with Calvinism. This is what people think of when they think of Calvinism, especially yeah. those who dislike it. This is what comes to mind. And if you're hearing this for the first time, don't be like put off right away by that brief definition. Because um, it can be off-putting. And this was, this was the doctrine I hated the most before I came to hold the Reformed theology. And before God revealed to me that's what's in Scripture. And so... Well, because it, it does push up, you know, this and limited atonement both push up against the idea of man's free will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, it, in, especially in, in American culture, like, we sort of believe that we are sovereign creatures, you know, and sort of operate under our own power. Um, and this really just takes that and just sort of smashes that, uh, you know, that misconception or that that f- false ideology, um, but and and so it's it's particularly offensive, especially to people who believe that they are sort of like the the greatest that they are. Um, I'm trying to think of a, but that they're they're the the most important agent of their own sort of direction in life. Yeah, definitely. And as we get into this, I want to structure this one a little more than we have in the past, just because I think we'll get all over chasing rabbits if we don't. Um, so I'd like to get into kind of what the doctrine is, what it, what it teaches, um, what the, the implications and the applications are of it, and then finally what some of the cautions we need to have in mind, because I think with this one especially, there's a lot of pitfalls that we can fall into if we don't have a correct view of this doctrine, even if it's something we agree with, and that's been shown over history so I'd like to kind of work through that systematically if that's alright with you guys so I'm going to read some scripture here really quick um, from Ephesians 1 I'm going to read 1, 3 through 14 just because I think this gives a decent outline or at least some backing mark if you have more that you want to add to it um, please do so after after I read this here Starting in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on 
earth, and then 11 through 14, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. And so really quick, I'm going to get a little preachy. Um, but I just want to un- unpack some things out of that really quick. And then Mark and Nate, feel free to comment or chime in um, where you see fit. And Nate, too, I, I didn't mention this earlier. If there's verses you want to throw in there, too, definitely please do that. Um, but so it starts with, with blessing God, with praising God, with proclaiming who he is. And then it gets into here in verse 4 even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as son through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And so in this, we see the foundation beginning with God and what he's doing, who he's choosing, who he's electing. Um, it's talking about believers here. It's talking about the church and the outflowing of what's happening, what he is predestining us for. What he's choosing us for is redemption through his blood, forgiveness of trespasses, um, to make known to us the mystery of his will. And so this is all about redemption and his redemptive plan for us. And so the decree of God goes beyond that, but specifically in these verses and what specifically unconditional election is talking about is the fact that God has chosen people to be redeemed. And this has a, a cause, or a, not a cause, this has an effect that we're going to get into with the application. And you see Paul hit it here again and again and again to the praise of his glorious grace to the praise of his glory to the praise of god he starts with blessed be god and ends with to the praise of his glory and so this whole thing occurs for the glory of god and that ties back to the soli deo gloria but it's speaking specifically here about redemptive a redemptive aspect and so you can't look at these verses and say oh well no he he predestined everyone no, he predestined us for adoption. Um, and so, Nate, you may even have a better appreciation of this than Mark and I do as you're working through this process of, of fostering and adopting. Um, but hmm. the, what what's God done is he, what God has done is he has adopted us. The difference is, in, in humanity, ad- adoptions can fall through, adoptions don't always work out, the parents aren't always loving. With God, we have a loving father who cannot fail to adopt those he has chosen to adopt. And so he didn't adopt the whole world and then lose some of his kids. He has adopted his church, and they are his. Yeah, I never uh, really thought of it in that particular life, but that's, that is 100% accurate, completely edifying. Well, thank you. What are you guys' thoughts? Um, I was just going to point out, like, and, and to me, unconditional election and limited atonement are really tied together they definitely pretty are strongly um and i think in some ways more so than some of the other the other five points um but one of the things it's uh, one of the favorite ways i've ever heard of this describing it is god is not a respecter of persons and and you sort of brought this um up before but that uh, he chooses to adopt us based on his his will alone and so it doesn't matter how good a person is, how, how moral or immoral a person is prior to regeneration. Um, it doesn't matter how rich you are or aren't. 
um, it, your your economic standing, your sort of so there's that like all the criteria that we would use to um, judge the worthiness of an individual. It means nothing to God. He has chosen his elect because that's who he's chosen. And I think you know, and I'm not going to have the the references um, off the top of my head, but I think there's uh, the passage that goes. Um, Esau, um, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Yeah. And, and you know, um, and even if we look at the establishment of the early covenants, you know, um, even looking back to Noah, um, God looks at an individual in history and says, you, I'm going to fulfill my promises to humanity and I'm going to redeem my people using you. And, you know, the, the, there's that chain that goes from, like, Noah to Abraham, to David, to, you know, eventually the fulfillment and the establishment of the new covenant in Christ. And, um, you know, and, and now obviously, like, you know, Jesus, we don't put him in the same category as the rest of the, the, the older, you know, the old, the patriarchs. But I think, like, there is that, it's, and again, I think, like, if, if you just take the time to sort of work your way through scriptures, you'll see that, you know, God looks at an individual, he pulls them out of the culture. I mean, very specifically, I mean, when he looks at Abraham, or Abram, at that point, he, if I'm remembering right, he just put, he's, he's like, he's like, you're living here, come, like, leave this land, follow me, and then goes on and establishes, you know, um, you know, the Abrahamic covenant with him. You know, yeah, and it wasn't because I mean he was a pagan. Abram was a, a pagan prior to that moment. Yeah, you know, definitely. Um, so it, it's it's one of those things that it's it's offensive because again it's sort of like, um, you know, stomps on the idea of free will. Um, but it is very much I think it is a if you you're, you're being honest about examining the narrative throughout Scripture, you're going to find that unconditional election is the mode that God uses to, you know, redeem and, and you know, sort of, uh, uh, words hard. <laughs> Thanks, Logan. That's my life. Yeah. You're good. Uh-oh. No, it's, yeah, but, it's, it's an interesting thing to see how, you know, God, God's operated the same way from the beginning. And we, we see election even before Jesus and we see election even before the new covenant and in Abram and in uh, Jacob and Esau I think is a great one to bring up where they they were established um, even before they were born well while they were still in the womb you know God told Sarah and Abraham that you know you have twins that you're bearing and the oldest will serve the youngest and um, that's how it's going to be and they hadn't done anything yet it was um, countercultural to what was the norm of the time for, for God to say the younger one is going to be the one that's in my favor. And when you, when you look at their lives uh, recorded in Genesis, like, yes, Esau does some really dumb things, but, but Jacob was extremely deceptive and wicked towards his brother and his father, and yet that's who God had chosen, and that's who God used to raise up an entire nation in Israel. Um, it's kind of crazy to think about, like, well, well, if God had known who, the kind of person he was going to be, you know, God knew who he was going to be, and God chose him anyway. It didn't matter. You think about David and all of the, the things that he did. David was known as the man after God's own heart because God 
had chosen him and called him long before he was even born. And we see David being an adulterer and a murderer and a terrible father and all these different things. But he was still chosen by God and he was still used by God. Um, it's, it's a very interesting thing. I, I think you're right, Nate, that it really it really uh, flies in the face of our attitude towards, towards what salvation is. We tend to, um, and I, I definitely think that it, it's more of a westernized attitude. It, it's present everywhere, but we, we latch on to the idea of our freedom so strongly that even though we are, are free as, mem- as um, people of, of the United States of America, we live in a country that has granted us these freedoms. From a spiritual perspective, uh, Romans tells us that we are either bound to sin or we're, we're bound to righteousness. It's one of the two. And we don't really have a, a choice in that. You know, we're, we're slaves to sin until God makes us new and until God enslaves us to, to his righteousness. Um, I think about, Luke, you read from Ephesians 1, but you go a chapter later to Ephesians 2, and we talked about the beginning of that with total depravity and how, you know, it says that we're, we're dead in our sins. But a little further down, um, it also says that in verse 8, I believe, I'm, I'm not looking directly at it, but I think it's Ephesians 2.8 where it says, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of your own doing, not, not of works so that none, none may boast. And so it's a very specific statement that we're not saved by any works. And, and the, the issue with this is, and the issue with, with denying election, is whether you intend to or not, you ultimately say that you have the final say in whether or not you're saved. And in doing that, you make yourself saved by works. And I, I don't think that most people would, would say that's what they believe. And I don't think it is what most people believe, but, but the logical conclusions of that attitude is ultimately a works plus faith salvation. Or at least a work. Yeah, yeah. a work. You know, you do the work of choosing salvation. Yeah, even if you're, even if you're saying, um, which is what I think most classical Armenians would say, well, no, there are no works. It's by faith alone in God, but I have to place my faith in God. Even if we ignore the work aspect of it, which I don't think we get to do, but say we did, you're still hanging your salvation, you're hinging your salvation on what you did rather than what God has done for yeah. you. And so it, there's there's a major issue with that. Definitely. I, I want to touch on this really quick too, just because this helped me understand election or accept election um, when I when I heard it, it made a lot of sense to me. And so you guys mentioned like Abram and, and Jacob and Esau, um, and and we see God's elective work throughout the Old Testament. We see it as a whole with the nation of Israel, and it's always like now being on the other side and in Reformed theology, it baffles me why everyone is okay with God electing Israel. Like he he has elected Israel; they're His chosen people. Same exact verbiage, and everyone's okay with that. But now we're in the New Testament, and that all has to change, and it's whether or not we choose to come to Him. And it's like it's the same mode God has used throughout the entirety of Scripture, throughout his revelation of himself, is that he chooses a people out from amongst the world to call his own. And Israel didn't do anything special. Like you mentioned, Abram was a a pagan before he became Abraham. And so they didn't do anything special. Israel definitely did not merit God's (laughs) loving them. 
God didn't look into the future and go, oh yeah, Israel's going to work out great for me. I'll pick them. Like, they're possibly the worst nation he could have picked. <laughs> which which like, I find it interesting that Scripture is very, you know, God's Word is intentional to show just how much that plays out, right? It, it's yeah. constant from, from start to finish to look at, at Israel and how they uh, totally and utterly just continued to fly in the face of God and, and rebel against Him and constantly delivered them and they found something to complain about some reason to attach themselves to the world and, and behave terribly uh, I think you know you think of Moses up on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments and, and communing with God stop a, a Ron. and then he comes down the mountain and you've got Aaron <laughs> and all of the Israelites have now made a golden calf that they're worshipping and it's like well this worked well <laughs> right? Like, but see Abraham's response wasn't much better. He just got the Ten Commandments from God, and he breaks them. You mean Moses? So, or Moses. Why did I say yeah, Abraham? Moses, wow. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a fun day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and I think, too, like, you know, even, and I'm, I'm actually, like, pulling up Hebrews 11. Um, but it said, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was just went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise. And I think a, a lot of people misread you know I, I would recommend reading just Abraham ele- or not Abraham but Hebrews 11 at some point in time and when you put it through the proper lens of like these are all people that God chose and it demonstrates that you know they really didn't do much of anything it was really just trusting in what God declared to them God said I will use you and then the response was like I will believe him yeah you know um, well that's the thing it, it shows it shows more God's faithfulness to them than it does their faithfulness to Him. Exactly. Um, I would also sort of say, like, and and and, and I, I, was I was thinking about this specifically in the New Testament because it, it's it's really easy to demonstrate this stuff in the Old Testament because it's a very clear, you know, God pulls someone. But even if you read uh, John 17, the high priestly prayer, mm-hmm. um, Jesus, and I'm looking up uh, at. I'm, I don't have I I grabbed the wrong Bible I grabbed my reader's Bible so now I'm I don't have like actual verses but again John 17 just read the entire chapter um, it, it's it's pretty uh, it's just good all on its own but it, it talks you know Jesus talks about like the people that the Father gave to him those people didn't decide to be in Jesus's camp the Father gave those people to Jesus. Yeah. You know, people who whose salvation <clears throat> and faith is like it, it hangs and swings on their own decision, you know, don't necessarily I, I don't know. Yeah. And and even even the passage where um I can't remember in this one I'm I'm sort of my my brain is old and feeble, but <laughs> um one of Paul's letters he talks about you know, we are drawn to, um, you know, that that God draws people, and the the word that He uses in Greek means like to pull water up out of a well. And I know that some people um, see, well, no, see, they're they're choosing, and I'm like, listen, water doesn't decide <laughs> to be pulled up all out of the well. Water just it goes in the bucket, and then the 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 drawer. You know, the one who's drawing that water pulls it out, and I'm just 
and and I and I just think like you know you have such these like these these incredibly vivid you know um, pictures that sure. demonstrate uh, in in scripture that you know not only is the and and again I don't have the best arguments for this but I, I would say like I think if you approach scripture and you just say like this is like and and read it for what it says that these doctrines will make themselves evident. Definitely. Yeah, and I, I, to, to add to the scriptural stuff, because again, I think that's where we need to go. And, and when, when you look at this doctrine, honestly, I've got two places to go here really quickly. But you brought up, you brought up John 17, which is great. Um, John 6. Uh, I was actually going to go to John 10, where in John 10 we have Jesus tells two parables and he gives two of the I Am statements where he talks about being the good shepherd in the door. And, and the Pharisees, or the, not even just Pharisees, but a bunch of Jews in general, their response is like they think that he's demon-possessed or something insane like that. And, and Jesus' response is straight up, I told you and you do not believe. Uh, the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. And my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And so Jesus flat out tells these Jews that don't have understanding of what he's saying, saying you don't understand because because you're not of my flock, you're you're not of my people, and, and it's it's a very strong statement um, to the point where they try to stone him. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's it's pretty interesting to see how um, Jesus responds to that. And I mean, continuing past that, he says uh, in verse tw- chapter ten, verse twenty nine, he says, "My Father who has given them to me." is greater than, or verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life, talking about his sheep, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand, and my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And so uh, I think that's a, a huge testament to to God's electing power. Um, the, the other spot I wanted to go real quick was at the beginning of First of Peter. Um, First Peter chapter 1, he gives his intro to his letter and says, uh, Blessed be, in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so Peter says that, that the Father has caused us to be born again. I mean, that's a really strong statement to say that God is the active role in this and we are literally passive we are we are being acted upon but it's not anything that we're doing and so i think that speaks a lot to that uh attitude or that speaks a lot to the doctrine of election to see that we we're passive in that and, and it's not to say that we don't have a responsibility or, or a call to be obedient to who god is uh, and we, we'll get into that as we kind of unpack some of these doctrines further but um e- even though election and calling is of God we're still called to be obedient and we're still called to act in response to what God has done to us and the way that he's made us new and made us alive and so I think that it's important we don't forget about that definitely I want to throw one last one here and then we can get into some of the application and some of the uh, things we need to be cautious of which you already mentioned one there Mark um, that's John six thirty-five through 40 and it says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So there we go. People love that passage. See, whoever comes is not going to hunger. Whoever believes won't thirst. 
Um, he says, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. And he, then he explains why. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And verse 39 right here is huge. And this is the will of him who sent me. This is the will of God, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So he essentially, in 39 and 40, says the same thing. A lot of times we hear it phrased, everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. What Jesus is saying is, all those who look on the Son and believe in him are those that the Father has given to him. It is a select number of people that the Father has elected and given to the Son. And these people are 100% definitively saved because they will never be cast out and they will be raised up on the last day. And so I don't know if there's a clearer picture of it than right there in John 6. But anyway, so yeah, guys, this is all throughout Scripture. We could spend hours unpacking <laughs> this. Um, the main things. The main things I think we need to get out there, though, is it, it's unconditional election. Both of those words are important. The fact that God has chosen us, God has predestined us, he has elected us, and so it was his work. And then the fact that it was his work based on nothing we've done. And so another common misunderstanding of this doctrine is people will say, oh, well, God looked into eternity, and he saw everyone who would put their faith in him, and then he predestined them. Well, no, that's not how it works, because then it's still resting on me then it's still something I've done, and it's based on my merit. It's not based on God's grace alone. And so that's, that's an improper understanding of this doctrine. And again, that shows right here that the will of the Father is those who look on the Son and believe in him who will have eternal life. The only ones who are going to do that are those he has chosen to look on the Son and believe in him and then receive eternal life. And so the, this is not neglecting the responsibility of man. When we say it's violating free will, it's violating a libertarian free will. We're still free to act within a set of actions, like we talked about in Total Depravity. But those set of actions are all evil and wicked and sinful. So we don't have the option to choose a good and holy God because our nature won't permit it unless an outside force intervenes, unless God intervenes. And that's why we need unconditional election. Once he opens our eyes, then we are free to receive him and we do receive him and that gets into irresistible grace but the uh, the point is it's, it's not negating it's not neglecting the responsibility of man god is sovereign man is still responsible and that's what mark was saying we can't just go oh well god's predestined people and so i don't have to go out in the world because god's elected everyone so they're going to be saved no matter what i do well yes god will save people in spite of our stupidity but the means by which God has chosen to redeem his people is by using his people, the church, to proclaim the gospel. And so we don't get to neglect that. And that's, there we go, jumped right into the dangers. That's one of the dangers of this doctrine is we can become what are called the frozen chosen. And so we think, oh, we're saved. We're good. We don't have to tell anyone God's going to save who he's going to save. No, that's not the proper response. The proper response is God has people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation out there waiting. And so we get to go out and sow the seed of the gospel confident that it will grow in some soil because God has predetermined that it will. In the same way that when Jesus told the disciples, cast your nets on the other side of the boat and they drew up fish, we know we get to go out and cast our nets and we are guaranteed that we are going to draw fish up. Whether we recognize it or not, the guarantee is out there. 
that there are people out there who God has elected for salvation. And so it gives us even more confidence in our evangelism. I, I think that's that's one of the, the big takeaways from this, too, is like because because we I, I think when you fall on sort of the other the other side of, of things, uh, when you sort of engage evangelism from the, the perspective of a soul winner, that puts all the pressure on you to be the agent of change. And, um, you know, I'm not going to make any sort of like judgments. I don't think that's the right angle. To, but like, I think that that's the, the important part here is like that one of the beautiful things about the doctrine of unconditional election is that it really does set the believer free. Um, so that, you know, because we, we aren't the ones who are responsible for the, the, the regenerative, regenerative change. We aren't the ones who are responsible for, you know, ch- changing that person's heart. You know, the, the thing is, we've been told to go and make disciples of the nations. We've been told to go and spread the seed of the, of, of the gospel. And so all we have to do is make sure that the seed is good, that we are preaching the gospel accurately and living it out well and you know and that doesn't mean that we're perfect awesome super christians but that ultimately you know through through the the preaching of the word and sort of living our lives in in a way that is you know honoring god we are able to minister to the people around us and that we will and 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 so but yeah and the definitely I hate that whole like you know preach the gospel and sometimes use words. Oh, it's the worst like, thing in the world. So terrible. That, like, say that if you want me to punch you in the mouth. Like, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. Oh yeah. My students have heard me a thousand times say that. If you ask them what's Luke's most hated quote, they'll tell you that's it. Well, the the thing is is that that particular word means a very specific thing, and it means to proclaim. Yeah. You know to to speak the word so we speak the truth the truth of the gospel we preach the truth the truth of the gospel and, you know that doesn't mean that we have to be super spiritual and like high you know sit in our ivory towers and hem and haw and you know be snooty or whatever and it doesn't mean you have to be preachy but you speak the truth of the gospel and then that's it like i mean you don't have to like beat somebody over the head with it you you speak the truth you you preach the word, and then God does the heavy lifting. Yeah. yeah. And and that to me is, I mean that it's still like even that like and if we can be honest, even that sometimes is like way scarier than you know uh, the one thing I can say is for these people who feel like they have to be like this sort of like the this evangelistic hinge that you know they need to go out there and like save these souls and argue people into heaven like. Dude, like some of them are just straight up ballsy, like just straight up <laughs> super like, I mean, like they are aggressive and just, you know, like, and they're passionate and they're zealous and that's awesome. Yeah. But I think like the thing is because even as where I am, you know, it is difficult for me sometimes to preach the truth of the gospel and to preach scripture to people and just say like, listen, this is, this is the truth, you know, that humanity has rebelled against God, but God being a good God and a gracious God made a way for us to be, you know, redeemed to him and rejoined to him and, you know, and ultimately made a way for us to be in fellowship with him. And that's through his son, Jesus Christ, who came, died on the cross, rose again. And it's in, in, in his life, his life of perfect obedience, 
his death on the cross and his resurrection that we have hope. We, we have the hope that our sins are paid for and that someday we will be resurrected into perfect spiritual bodies that will will help you know that will harbor no sin you know and will live in paradise forever with the God of the universe in perfect obedience and glad submission and joyous praise and worship like and, and those things will be not the fight that they are in this life but that they will be as simple as breathing yeah as intrinsic as breathing like you, you will it will be reflexive you will know it and it and, and, and that to me is awesome and, and like i said and i'm garbage at speaking it 90 percent of the time you know <laughs> so I, but i think I, you put it really well there though that's that was good yeah um yeah i'll go ahead and and wrap up with saying one thing here just so we don't have a three hour long podcast <laughs> um and if you want to throw anything in here first mark before i do that go uh, ahead and... I, I don't think that i had a whole lot to really throw in okay i just want to make sure i wasn't cutting cutting you out so yeah so the the doctrine's already been summarized i won't redo that um but i would say the danger is taking a fatalistic approach to life and going, oh, well, God's already predetermined everything, so I have no responsibility. And that's not accurate. Mm-hmm. We still have responsibility. And if if I was making this a sermon, um, the ap- application points would be that the unconditional election gives us confidence in our faith because it rests wholly on what God has done. It depends on God holding on to us, not how tightly we're holding on to him. So we have confidence in our faith because of this doctrine. We have confidence in our God and his goodness and his love because of this doctrine, because it's revealed through that loving father adopting people who are unworthy. It's it's not God going into the orphanage and picking out the best kids he can find. It's God going into the orphanage and finding the most vile and disrespectful and violent kid in the orphanage and adopting that one and choosing to do so and choosing to do so at great cost to himself. And... No, and because every kid in that orphanage is, is a disgusting, like right. is is a rebellious, wicked sinner. Exactly, exactly. And so it gives us confidence in our faith. It gives us confidence in our God. And then what Nate just said very well: it gives us confidence in our evangelism. Absolutely, it, it doesn't stop it. It gives us confidence to go out and know that God's going to do the saving, but we get to be dedicated in sharing. Yeah. And so, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that doctrine still blows my mind, and you know I always thought before I came to accept it, I always thought, oh man, anyone who holds this has to be the most arrogant idiot around, and they just think, oh look at me, God chose me, I'm special. So humbling. Then, when it, yeah, when it finally hit me, and I realized like God used my own my own uh, pride to humble me with it. Um, when it hit home that oh this is this is legitimate, this is real. I remember just sitting there for like probably a solid half hour just in silence just like in tears going god why why would you ever choose me i'm so undeserving i'm so unworthy of this like there's nothing good in me and that's the effect it should have on us so and that's the effect it's had on everyone i know who truly holds to it so if you're thinking oh this would make you arrogant it doesn't it knocks you down quite a few pegs which sure we all need but yeah anyway that is unconditional election so it does flow really well into total depravity. I'm actually excited to do those two this close together. But with that, let's go ahead and transition to our not-so-nerdy topic of the day, art. 
Art. And so this uh, this came out of a discussion that Mark and Nate had on Facebook, and so I'll probably sit out for most of it just because I'm mainly curious to hear what they say because last time we did this podcast I had also ordered the UFC fight that night and so I was, may or may not have been watching that while they discussed this. <laughs> so now I'll actually get to know what they say and what they think about it. <laughs> um, Man. But I know, I'm a horrible host. But anyway, so came out of a discussion though, basically the discussion was around what, what should be considered art, what should be deemed worthy of the title art. And so, Nate, you are our resident art scholar sort of and so the scholar is a really strong term <laughs> you are you are the most scholarly in the realm of art on this podcast so i'll let you go first with like what you think should be defined as art um and take it and away professor mckeever it was so much easier when Mark went first okay, last first. time, okay. and I just got to like sure. <laughs> rebut everyone. It was, okay. No, but I'll go first okay. this time, That's and fine. then he can he can poke holes in me. Um, Probably not going to happen. Uh, I'm just not going to have anything to say after this. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should have Mark go first. All right, so have a, I'll go first go just because. Go ahead. This, this, you, you start. This really started like Nate posted something in, in TRG where he's a which is the Reform Gamers. It's in our recommended groups on Error Two Hundred Four, but. Uh, he's one of the admins over there, and and he made a post about what about art and games, and was asking people what what are the most artistic games they've played, um, just in the, the style of the game. Um, and I, I made a comment about how I th- I think that there's a lot of things that are classified as art that I don't consider art. And so when when Nate kind of pressed me on that, my my explanation was. And my thought has been for quite a while now that um, art is is meant to capture beauty, and ultimately because of that, it it should be a reflection of, of God. And and art, while I think there is a subjectivity to it, um, there still is kind of an objective standard somewhere. Um, when does something stop being art? And, and for me, Mark just doesn't know what that standard is. <laughs> Uh, well, and for me, I'm going to explain what, what the standard has been, at least in my mind. Um, oh, okay. I'm sorry. See, see, this is what happens when Luke doesn't listen the first time. He <laughs> 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 had not know where I'm going. Um, no, for me, it, it's been... I never know where you're going. It was one of, That's fair. It was one of those things where um, I kind of saw, like, if art's supposed to be a reflection of God, then things that aren't a portrayal or picture or um, something that is trying to encapsulate the beauty of God's creation then ultimately it's I, I wouldn't consider it art because it's not focused on on glorifying God and, and kind of out of like to me that was that's been kind of like the, the modern art or the very abstract art and um, some of that stuff I, again I, I don't know how to classify everything because I'm not a big art person, but the things that you run into where it's just random shapes or colors or patterns or all these different things, um, that kind of stuff has always been uh, confusing to me, and it's never come across as artistic. For me, very more realistic things has been artistic to me, and it's artistic to me or, or beautiful to me because it is taking something that is in God's creation and trying to capture the beauty 
of what he's made. And so ultimately, wh- whether it's painted by a, a believer or not, again, we, I think that all people in the world know God and God has evidenced himself through his creation. And so there's something about his creation that even in people who live their lives in rebellion to him, they have a desire to capture the beauty that he's created and they have a desire to um, glorify him by using talents he's given them, whether whether that's intentional on their part part or not, when they when they are painting a scene that they've come across um, that that God created, uh, ultimately they're trying to say this this is important to me because I find it beautiful, and they find it beautiful because it's made by a creator who is greater than who they, than they are. Um, but because of that, I think there's there's always been kind of and to me, an art style that has been very man-centered, um, I think, as our cultures kind of become man-centered, um, the art style has reflected that, and we have art that I wouldn't consider art because it doesn't try to capture the beauty of God's creation. It doesn't try to glorify God and, and its own creation, and, and artists are very man-centered and self-centered, and, and in that, they don't um, capture the image or the beauty that that really should be captured by art um and that's kind of just been my thoughts on it so there's there's a lot of things that are considered art that i don't usually consider art um but nate when i posted that and and much fewer words uh nate had an interesting response which is what made us really want to do a podcast with him because we thought this could be a really cool discussion Plus, Nate seemed like a really cool guy anyway. He's yeah. got an awesome beard. He smokes cigars. So. And then we heard him talking. We were like, man, perfect. Yeah, dead serious. Like, when I first heard Nate talk, I messaged Mark. I don't think I was comfortable enough to say this out loud in front of you then, Nate. But I, like, messaged Mark and said his voice is way better than either of ours. We can't have him on our podcast. So I'm also going to take has- this exact moment to point out Luke still isn't listening to what I'm saying because he just tagged me in something on Facebook and I got a notification on my phone. Huh? I did that like 10 minutes ago. Liar. And then I took a survey for the Hampton Inn we stayed at. So, yeah, I wasn't listening to you really. Uh. <laughs> I was planning on listening to Nate. I don't care what you have to say. Yeah, Nate's, what Nate has to say will probably be a lot better than mine anyway. Actually, I also know your stance pretty well because we've talked yeah, about we've it outside talked about of this. So, I was half listening. Nate, well, rebuttal time. Uh, I don't know uh, rebuttal, no, but, but I definitely have poke holes. Make him look like Swiss cheese. <laughs> I I would just I think like the one of the original comments were like you didn't find much worthwhile in in abstract yeah. art. Yeah, yeah. Um, just because it, it sort of lacked a portrayal of realism, and uh, I I think the the thing that I very snidely typed out is like well maybe you just haven't seen the right abstract <laughs> art yet, you know? Um, <laughs> and that may be um, true, but. And, and and for the you know just sort of like you know uh, full disclosure time, my favorite artist it falls like just wildly out of uh, out of any category. But it's Bill Watterson, the guy who wrote and illustrated um, Calvin and Hobbes for years. Um, I just there's there's some still lifes that he's done and some some line drawings that he's done. They're absolutely phenomenal. And I just think like you know. Um, even in, in the, now he had a bit of an advantage with with text, being able to communicate some of the ideas. But I think like just if if you study some of his stuff, uh, some of his panels and, and strips, they're they're just gorgeous. And um, I mean that that's so that's that's my sort of 
you know, general inclination. I like things that are just, I, I tend to be much more, um, my favorite conventional style is what they call impressionism, um, which, uh, uh, which I know uh, that word. Van Gogh was, was towards the end of that. I think he's like what they call like post impressionistic or something like that. But, um, that was really, um, what the, the general, uh, driving philosophy or ideology behind that was an attempt to capture and portray light um, in, in painting in a way that really hadn't been done before and um, it's uh, just to me it's it's some of the more striking pieces of work uh, like I said I'm, I'm sort of maybe this makes me pretty cliche but I think Van Gogh is, is probably just one of my favorite uh, you know sort of more traditional like sort of artist and uh, actually, uh, back in April, I had the opportunity to go visit a couple art museums in uh, Washington, D.C. I was vid visiting with a friend down there, and we, we did a, a little bit of a gallery crawl, and uh, I got to see a couple Van Goghs. I think I got to see his self-portrait in real life, and there was, like, that, that moment where I was, like, very much wanted to, like, take a selfie, but then it was, like, I was, like, no, that's just really, like, because that, that robs some of, like, the beauty of, of that moment for me. I'm mean, just getting to see like you know uh, see that live and in person, and I just feel like you know it's 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 much better if I just tell people like, hey, go to the museum and look at it for yourself and let it sort of affect you. But um, I would you know last time we we sort of talked about it, and I would just sort of um, I'm not here to to weigh in too heavily on the second commandment violation stuff like I know that sometimes you can't in reform circles have a conversation about art um, without sort of wading into that um, and I'm just gonna all I'm gonna say in that is like you know okay like if somebody is persuaded um, that any pictures of Jesus are inherently sinful and idolatrous okay that's fine um, but I think we did talk a little bit about this briefly and, and, you know, this is stuff that, uh, was actually, um, in talking with my uncle, uh, he, he revealed some of this stuff to me, but a lot of, you know, people, if they're not familiar with the, the history of the Reformation and art, one of the things we did, uh, especially, uh, sort of in the Lutheran era in, in Luther's era was, um, as a response to the fact that a lot of the art that was commissioned by the church in that time was uh, uh, was part of the sale of indulgences. So these people would pay this money and have these portraits done or these beautiful pieces of work done that would be hung in the churches and then would have thousands or millions of years taken off a relative or their own time in purgatory or however that sort of work. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure about all the details. And as a response, you know, um, a lot of uh, Luther's, you know, uh, students uh, sort of went around and destroyed a bunch of really pretty art. And then, you know, because we have sort of this conflicted relationship with art in general, um, you know, that, that was sort of, that, that happened throughout uh, the, the early days of, of the Reformation where a lot of times we just go into churches and we would burn pictures and art. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. It's, I, I didn't know that that uh, art was commissioned as indulgences. That's that's a really interesting fact. I, was just, I remember 
being surprised by that when you mentioned it the last time we recorded this and, and thinking that was very interesting as well. So thanks for bringing that up again. It's it's you know it like I said it's it's not I, it's not as cut and dry as we we'd like to make it out. And I think like you know and this is something that I said before too. Um, a lot of the problems that I think the reform camps have with art basically stems from uh, reform theology. You know, whether you're a Reformed Baptist or Presbyterian or Anglican or Lutheran, you know, because I know that some of these other camps would consider themselves Reformed as well. Um, but a lot of times we are very secure in having the right answers. Like, you know, our theology is sort of locked down. And one of the, the things that we have, one of the, the, the problems that we have with art as a general rule is that it tends to ask more questions that the answers aren't so easy to, and it provokes things into a, in us, and evokes things out, you know, in us that aren't necessarily easy to contain or describe, and, and forces us to sort of maybe wrestle with some some ideas or some concepts. It's not it's not very succinct. It's not very um, containable in a lot of ways. It, a lot of times, I think art sort of touches on the transcendent, not to get too weird or in the weeds there but I think um, a good piece of art you know sometimes when you look at it and you you see a picture that like really stops you in your tracks and makes you stop and look it forces you it's, a, it's very similar to the way I feel about a good cigar it forces you to slow down and sort of like be in the moment and sort of deal with all the things that you're experiencing and thinking which is something that I think a lot of us, and not just in the reform camps, but a lot of us in general, aren't super, um, you know, used to dealing with. Um, I think uh, too, you know, for for anyone who would honestly like to see, like, you know, say, well, what does the Bible have to say about art? Um, I would point them to Exodus 31. I actually went and looked it up, and just. Uh, uh, sort of like just to double check and there were two gentlemen uh, one's name was Bezalel I hope I didn't butcher his name the son of Uri son of Hur of the tribe of Judah and the Lord filled him with the spirit of God with ability and intelligence with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold silver and bronze cutting stones for setting and carving in wood to work in every craft and behold I have appointed with him a oh, Oholiab, the son of, oh man, his just save as fast as you can. <laughs> Ahasamach, uh, no, no, sounds whatever, good to me. From the tribe of Dan, <laughs> yeah. And I've given to all able men ability that they may make all that I've commanded you: the tent of meeting and the ark of testimony and the mercy seat that is in it or on it, and all the furnishings of the tent. And and you know, but you know, God specifically gave those two men. Um, the ability, and he actually uses that uh, the spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit dwelt with that craftsman in designing the art for the tabernacle. So I mean, God is a God who who enjoys art, and we can't assume that every one of those was was based in realism. I mean, um, there were portrayals of angels on the Ark of the Covenant, and so what we can assume, I think, is that these things were were beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, a lot of times, you know, sort of like responding to, to, to sort of some of that critique again about like, is that um, in, in, in a lot of 
modern art, um, it is not always easy to see the beauty, and it sometimes forces us to slow down. And there's some stuff that's just straight up blasphemous and gross. I mean, I, I mentioned last time too about the guy who peed in like the five gallon paint bucket and then dumped the crucifix in it. Um, one that does really nothing to me because it's a crucifix. That's you know doesn't mean anything. You know, you can, hold on, I gotta go. Nathan started the fire. I guess fire. my wife got it. <laughs> my wife's probably cooking bacon or something. You know, oh maybe she's making sausages. Anyways, <laughs> we got sidetracked. Dude um, <laughs> uh, is always but, a worthy sidetrack. That is a very fair point. Which are, you want to talk about like something excellent, sausage and bacon are both excellent. But I think some of it too may or may not be, and I think we're seeing some of that now in commercial aspects of art. We see a lot of really uh, schmucky, uh, schleppy garbage, you know, like the motivational posters for Jesus crap, um, which (laughs) just make me angry because, um, you know... um, I can't remember the exact reference, but there's a phrase that talks about um, how things were made to be beautiful. They were made for beauty and for glory. And in that, I think, uh, sort of under, and, and a lot of this is opinion, you know. I mean, and, and you know, if if somebody actually wanted to debate me, like, in, in a way, like a very scholarly who is much more knowledgeable in this, they could probably tear me apart. Um, <laughs> but... I think the, one of the things we've seen is there's this drifting away from the, the idea of pursuing excellence within art. Um, and so a lot of times we see sort of this subpar stuff that seems like it was just sort of thrown together. And some of it is just bad. Some of it is just crap. It's ugly and it's just there to make a buck and that's crass. But even in that, I think it, it's revealing some truths about humanity and the world that we live in. Um, and, and even in that, you know, there's there's something to be appreciated, whether it's something that I want to buy necessarily is, is kind of a different different question altogether. Um, but I think I think Mark, you know, in the end is like the sort of the takeaway for me, a lot of times I I think that that portrayal and that that effort to capture beauty and communicate um, th- those truths or those um, ideas to us can be a little more ephemeral. That, that can be a little less substantial and easier to get our fingers around. And so sometimes I think like people look at, at pictures and because the response isn't as easy to grab onto, um, we're, we're a lot more willing to dismiss that stuff because, you know, if we're being honest, we're, we're forced to deal with... Um, you know, the, just the, the way that we live life in general, it's much more accessible. Everything is bite-sized. Everything is easy, easily digestible. And it just does, it comes back to, I think there's a lot of stuff, especially in the more abstract realms, that um, I think um, is, you know, is, is a little harder to sort of grasp without doing some of that extra work. And because of that, it's, it's not as accessible. And um, it's not as easy, and and so like we we don't like the fact that we have to slow down and take some time and sort of really digest what we're looking at. It, it's it's one of those those arenas where I just I, I think the biggest takeaway for me in just sort of being you know even having this the little bit of training that I have had, um, and this was years ago. It's about slowing down. 
it's about taking a couple of minutes and it's about looking at these things um, and, and not being afraid to sort of answer the questions that arise out of examining these sort of external stimuli. Now, um, my, my primary mode of, um, the, the, the area that I focus the most on in this is really um, because I am a gamer, I do enjoy like the games as our conversation. Um, and uh, at some point in time, like, you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I, I've, I've actually been thinking about doing like just a small, um, like 15 to 20 minute short form podcast where I sort of examine some of my favorite games and look at some of the more artistic themes in them, but I have no idea whether I'll do that or not. If that happens, definitely let us know about it. Yeah. We'll plug you. That's what we do here. We plug podcasts. For sure. But, um, uh, you, you know, I think the thing is, uh, one of the things, and I guess like the point that I sort of want to leave with not only you guys, but with just anybody who would listen to this is, one of the things art does is forces us to slow down and actually think through it. Um, and, and that's, and that's, that's really, I think the, the critical takeaway Yeah, is that, um, you know, there are things that at, at first glance, like, you know, obviously if you don't, if you don't like it, you know, because there is that sort of that subjective measure there where if, you know, it's just not appealing, it's just not appealing. But sometimes I think it's actually worthwhile to slow down and be and and to just observe something to observe it and then see what it provokes in you. You know, see like you know, um, and so I think you know even sort of looking at the, the tabernacle was probably glorious and, and and beautiful in a way that I don't know that we have a context for right now. And and so I think in a lot of ways too, um, you know. When we look at Revelation um, and just the, the sort of some of the pictures it gives us of the, the new city, I just, you know, I think like the new creation is going to be a place of just beauty. And, um, you know, so in that, um, you know, maybe maybe as a believer, we, we ought to be looking for ways to communicate the truths, you know, or the beauty of, 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 of the redemption or whatever. Those are all great points. Um, I will, I'll throw my two cents in here just because, you know, I have to, um, because I'm me. But I would just say I, I tend, tend to land more with Nate. I would um, fall back more on what's the intent. And so, like, we talked on the total depravity that what's the intent of man's heart, the reason that man can't glorify God is because the intent of his heart in his natural state is never to do anything to bring God glory. And I would say we could translate that to art as well, not necessarily bringing God glory because I don't know how many, I mean, I'm sure there are artists who do, and I'm sure there are artists who don't um, have that intention. I think it's more of, is your intention to make something beautiful? Is your intention to make something excellent, back to what Nate was saying? Or is your intention to make a buck? And so that translates beyond art into music as well. Like Music is a huge one for me. I have a lot more respect for someone if they are making music to make something excellent, to make something beautiful, than if they're just doing it to make a buck. Um, that's why Mike Rosenberg, who goes by passenger I, I really appreciate him because the guy will go out and just street perform even after he made it kind of big he would go out and just play on the street because he loved music and he loved letting people hear his music and I think it's the same with with art if it's about anything other than your intention to make something beautiful or to make something excellent um, that's where I'd say it ceases to be art 
and I don't know how. That's probably not a super well-informed opinion, but it, it that's no. But where I, I tend think to there's 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 merit there because it, it's sort of pointing at to like the thing is like for you know, and I and I hate to sound sort of like highbrow or whatever, but for the true artist, it really is about communicating something beautiful or communicating something profound. Yeah. Whereas you know, and and out of that, a quality sort of arises. Like, you know, even going back to that games as art conversation that we were sort of having, I remember interacting with a guy, uh, I can't remember his name to save my life, and I, I really want to give him a shout out because it was a really cool, like, five or six, like, paragraph exchange that we sort of had, but it was like, basically, you know, the games as art conversation can be a little pretentious because there are these people who are making indie games, and they're like, my game is art, and it's like, well, no, you're just a pretentious knob, and you've got, like, a clever hook here. But the, there are games within the genre, and the one that I go to most consistently is like, and uh, I'm super excited about actually, is they're doing a remake of Shadow of the Colossus yeah. for the PS4. And that game, like, you know, if, if you want to basically hear or see my argument for games as art, play that game. Because it communicates so uh, just a, a range of emotions and a range of ideas and just there's so many beautiful moments in that game and it does it without this sort of air of pretension it just and it's excellent it's just this amazing and you know maybe i'm sort of like you know tying too much nostalgia to it no it was but it was as amazing as you remember <laughs> i wouldn't i'm know. glad i'm glad it. that uh, well we will have to fix that um <laughs> But it, it, it's one of those things that I think, like, in the sense is, I don't think they, when they sat down to make that game, they were like, we're going to make something that people will be able to be like, no, this is art. I think they just set out to make an awesome game. And it succeeded, and it hit on, like, every stinking piston along. I mean, it was just firing on all cylinders. And that game is just, like, and, and I would say, like, the best art and the best music and the best books aren't necessarily going to be the ones that we get because somebody was like trying to change the world or whatever but it's they're the best because they're just the most finely crafted and the best put together and in that as believers we can praise God for giving those artists that ability because I mean it tells us in his word that he gave those able-bodied men the ability to portray beauty or to to portray and communicate the the profundity of those those situations and so that's why you know that's why i think like this is relevant to and i think now more than ever especially with the resurgence of like i know that the guys over at apologia are really trying to engage in entertainment community and engage in some of the arts and um in a way that is God honoring and Christ redeeming. And sort of my response to all of that is worry less about like whether you're going to be able to preach out of this content and worry more about making sure that it is just singular, singularly the best content that you can possibly make and that you are doing what you need to. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really good. Really good point. Yeah. I think so too. So, Closing statements. Anyone have closing statements? Uh, thanks for having me, guys. This was really cool. And thanks for letting me do this again. 
No, we so. appreciate it. Thank you again for coming on. Um, we're honored to have you on here, especially since you're a big podcast guest now. This is your second one in recent time. So there, there I do have to like, um, and I sounded very broy in it, but um, if you guys go back and look at the the TRG, um, it's probably in the uh, it's. It's earlier on. It might be in the first, under the first hundred. There's an episode that when the Backlog Book Club first kicked off, I actually went on and we talked about like backlog drafts and stuff like that. Nice. See, that's the real reason we had you on here because after that episode is when TRG took off and so you're just a publicity Uh. stunt. (laughs) No. So you guys are just just using me. That's right. Just using you for your voice. Um, No. No, we really do appreciate it. Um, it was awesome having the conversation with you about total depravity, and it's been really cool having it about unconditional election, and of course about art as well. Like it's it's awesome to hear your your insights and your thoughts on those things. So we do really appreciate it. Uh, we also appreciate all you listeners out there. Thank you for for tuning in to us. Um, well, I guess you don't really tune into a podcast, but downloading us or searching for us or subscribing. Um, if you like the podcast, please recommend it to friends, family, strangers on the street. Leave us a rate and a review on, on iTunes. Join, join our Facebook can, group. Yep, we've actually had a bit more discussion there. It's been exciting. That's so, been yeah, join there. We can have some discussions. Feel free to hit us up at error204podcast at gmail.com, as well as at error204podcast on Twitter. On Twitter. And join the Facebook group, Error204Podcast. We're very original with the, the naming scheme here. It's pretty simple to follow. Yeah. So um, Join us on us Friday when we Friday. do a live stream. And be looking for the new merch to drop. Thank you, yeah. guys. We love you all, I think. And we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.